The Reinvent You podcast is designed to provide tangible advice that will help transform those who have experienced a divorce or a breakup into rediscovering their voice, regaining their power, and obtaining their freedom by focusing on mindset, emotions, finances, health, faith, love, parenting, and building meaningful relationships. These weekly talks are designed to assist individuals to become the best version of themselves in their personal lives, families, and professional environment. I'm your host, Tanya Carter, and thank you for joining. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 59 of the Reinvent You podcast. I'm your host, Tanya Carter, and thank you so much for joining me this week. When it comes to getting a divorce, it can be very lonely. It can be extremely stressful, very uncertain. It can even be depressing. And your anxiety can also increase due to everything that's going on around you, right? And the bottom line is that divorce is a major interruption in your life and it should be treated as such. And the reason why I say this is that when it comes to the support of it all, unless a person has truly experienced this process, I'm not really sure whether or not if they'll fully get it. And I'm not saying that people don't care, um, but understanding all the layers that's associated with this process may not be as understood. And because of this, I really encourage everyone who's going through this to not be casual. And one of the things that I emphasize when going through this process is having specific players on your team. You want people who's on your side to truly set you up for success. And the players that I'm talking about are individuals who should be experienced professionals that really have your best interests at heart so that they can navigate, so that you can navigate through this season intelligently and move forward to the next chapter of your life with grace and optimism for what's ahead. And one of those players on your team should be someone um, who can help you go through this process with financial clarity and structure. One of the biggest stressors of marriage dissolution is money. It's interesting because that's actually one of the reasons why people get divorced too is because of money. And what's important while going through this season of your life is knowing the financial impact that this will have on everyone who's involved. Because divorce can be emotionally and financial taxing, going into the process informed and prepared can help prevent any surprises that can make this situation more challenging than it already is. And because of this being a very important topic and very passionate and near and dear to my heart, I wanted to bring two very, very important guests on today to talk about um this particular situation. One of them, I'm sorry, is actually out, but I still want to recognize her because she is a part of this. Um, my first guest is Catherine Shanahan. Catherine is a certified divorce financial analyst, trained mediator, and daily money manager, and has been working in the financial industry for over 25 years. Catherine has dedicated the past several years to helping clients understand and navigate all aspects of divorce 
including planning a secure financial future post-divorce. She is a member of the American Association of Daily Money Managers and the Institute for Divorce Financial Analysts and also the Association of Divorce Financial Planners. And she is a mother of five children. And Karen, who isn't present, however, she is a huge, she's a part of Divorce Solution. Um, She is a legal um, liaison experienced paralegal and certified QDRO administrator. She is an affiliate member of the Pennsylvania Bar Association. And Karen is also passionate about helping clients assemble the right team, including alignment with the right attorney and other professional services. For over 30 years, she has worked in the legal field as a paralegal and business manager. And she's also founded a women's organization called Sisters U, which focuses on helping women be their best She's also a mother of three and has one granddaughter. And so I have Catherine with me here today. Catherine, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. And I, boy, you said so many things in your opening segment that I want to comment on because you're hit everything spot on. So I don't even know where to start. <laughs> Just go with the flow. <laughs> yeah, I ended with the grace and optimism and Um, you know, to move forward with that is the best way to recover from anything that you experienced in your past. Um, It just sets you up for such a great future. So I love that. Um, I love that thought that people should walk away with. But yeah, you, you can't move on if you feel like you didn't have financial clarity through your process. It's really hard. You end up walking away, replaying all the decisions you made because you wish you could go back and change it. You know, you made some of these decisions out of being bullied or pressured or being scared or just wanting to move on um, to the next chapter of your life. So you, you, you forget that you weren't clear on the financial decisions that you had to make. And I can't tell you, Tanya, how many people come up to Karen and I and say, I wish I met you five years ago. You know, mm. I made a decision I shouldn't have made. Mm. And when you say they shouldn't have made a decision, is it about walking away from the relationship, the marriage, or is it just not being as intentional or understanding of what this looks like from a financial perspective? Yes, intentional about Mm. what their financial perspective is, because, you know, a lot of times we make emotional decisions. I want to keep the house. You know, my kids will be devastated if we get rid of this house. And it's the only thing we know. And I want to keep it. It's all mine. But then two years goes by and you're stuck cleaning out the house of old memories or you're stuck with leaky pipes that were never fixed or a roof that was never repaired. And now your ex goes on to getting a new place to live with all new shiny products inside. And you're feeling like, boy, I should have done that. Why did I keep this stress that was surrounded by our marriage? And now they're moving on, starting over. And the expense of that, you know, most of your alimony payments, if you're receiving them, or most of your income can go towards the expense of a home instead of instead of reestablishing who you want to be, putting the time and energy into that. So that's an emotional decision that was made without the financial clarity of the outcome in the future. Why do you think that that takes place? Um, I want to keep the house. I want to, is it more of... Do you think it's more control? Do you think it's more sentimental? Do you think it's a a combination of both? Um, 
because some people divorces can be messy. I mean, if we can just be honest, um, there are maybe people can be amicable, but you, you do have people that are emotionally driven, as you mentioned. Why do you think that that takes place in a lot of cases on wanting to keep things that probably may not be in the best interest financially for them? Right. I think there's two sides to that. You know, if you're a stay-at-home homemaker for a spouse that, you know, works all the time, but like the role that you played of creating that home for them, they want to keep the house because they don't like change. And they don't want to recreate what you've already created for them. They might not want to be married to you any longer, but they did like the home you created if you have a nice home and it was all set up. So that spouse generally wants to keep the home because they don't want change. And it's just easier for them because they never took care of it before. So everything's already set up. So let me stay there. Mm. Then you have the spouse who was the stay-at-home spouse raising their children. And they feel like they put their whole life into that home. You know, Mm. and why are you taking that home away from me? You're taking away the marriage if, if you didn't want the marriage. You know, if you wanted to stay married, you feel like the marriage is being taken away from you. But you don't want your home taken away from you as well. You feel like you're losing everything that you stand for when in fact, it's not really true. But in the moment, there's so many decisions that you have to make. So in that moment, you're thinking, well, if I could keep the home, I'm already comfortable with that. Now I could decide about everything else that we have, any debt and assets that we have, you know, what's going to happen to the kids, the co-parenting plan. You know, I could deal with all those things individually if I don't have to deal with the home, which is where my safety is right now. Absolutely. Um, and yeah, you're right. The investing. I mean, that is an investment, not just the mortgage every month, but just, again, is familiar is what I've built is what I've, I've poured a lot of, of, of time and energy into. This is where I, I raised my children. So yeah, it, it is a lot of different layers when it comes to grief. And I'm glad that you mentioned that. I know that Um, in your bio, and I know I didn't read this part, but you also had experienced divorce yourself. Um, During that transition, were you very aware of all the financial parts of it all? Um, Or was this more like, wow, I've become so educated now, I want to educate others on really being intentional during this process? That's a great question. You know, I have an accounting degree, my dad owned an accounting firm. I was the first to go to college. I was I played with an adding machine when I was a little girl. Like I love numbers and the money part to it. When I got married, I played the same role that my mom played in our marriage. She handled all the bills. She did everything. So I did that as well. My ex and I were both in the financial world. He was working a lot and rising to the top. He had three children from a prior marriage that I raised. They were five and under. And then we had two together. So I took care of all the household items. I did all the billing, all of that. So I was very comfortable around money. I was um, a financial advisor since 1988. So for us, it was not about the money part. You know, I knew everything that we had because I handled everything, right? So I worked in the industry. So I knew what he had at work. So I was very well informed. But when I found myself going through the divorce process, I was scared, Tanya. I mean, I literally cried every single day. Even though financially I was sound and not not afraid of what money would do because I always believed in myself to be an independent person, but I was really scared. And so at that moment, I vowed, I first started by saying, I'm going to help 50 women. If I die, I want 50 women to stand up wherever they are and say I impacted their life in some way. And now I want it to be 
you know, 50 million women because I've, I've worked with so many because I thought if I'm scared, there has to be millions of women out there who are just scared. And it's not that they don't know or they're dumb or anything like that. Mm -hmm. They're really savvy women that were just never giving the opportunity to show that savviness because their spouses took care of everything. You know, but why don't you empower them with some financial knowledge? And that's where we come from at My Divorce Solution. We are, we're about providing the knowledge that you need because we want you to make the smart decision. But you can't make a smart decision if you don't have all of the information. Mm. So mm. that's what, how I trans, trans, um, transferred my thought process into I need to help everyone else out there. And, and truth, truth be told, we have a lot of men now too. And mm. the and theory in my head is the more men we help, the more women we're helping. Absolutely. So it's really very interesting to see um, the shift in knowledge, what it does to somebody. Oh, I love that. Um, it's almost like I can relate to you. I was that person too that took care of everything, but it was still scary because um, I lost my job 14 days after our separation. And so that was in 08 when the recession hit and losing, and I lost five jobs in four years. And when I tell you the stress of that, um, was very unbelievable. And, um, it's interesting cause I kind of want to go into what you were talking about. Um, when it comes to just understanding, uh, the woman's side of things. And I definitely want to get into the men as well. However, like you said, it's not about being unintelligent. Um, it, it has nothing to do with that. Uh, I know that it seems as if divorce kind of impacts more women financially than men. And what I've learned, and, and I just want you to tell me what, what you have seen, because this is what you do every day. Um, because they handle, um, the other spouse handle everything. It's just being unaware of everything that was taken care of. Is that correct? Absolutely. You know, some women I've, I've said, you know, I didn't know I had to pay for water, you know. Wow. You could look at them like, what? But we look yeah. at them like, well, you do, you know, it's not a judgment, you know, oh my God, you don't, you didn't know you paid a water bill. No, that's not me judging you. That's me saying, okay, well you do. And this is what the bill is. And this is where, where it goes to. It's not explaining the water system. It's just explaining that there is a water bill here. And, you know, they just weren't aware because they were so busy either working and raising children or just staying at home and raising children, which is an undervalued job role. Yeah, right so <laughs> yeah you know and that's a whole nother comment uh, conversation, conversation. <laughs> yeah because during the pandemic actually whoever undervalued the stay-at-home mom who was now forced to stay home really valued it because they said oh my god i can't do this i can't do this every day they wanted to go back to work some still want to go back to work they don't want to stay mm. home kids homeschool them you know, so the stay-at-home mom is now doing what you're doing. They're laughing. Oh, you know. <laughs> yeah. You, yeah. I, listen, I never underestimate that. I think that's probably one of the most underpaid, underrated, most important jobs in the world. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, they just weren't aware of everything else that was going on in their household when it came to finances, because that wasn't their role. And you know what? It wasn't their role based on the agreement of both spouses. It's really not typical that one spouse just makes that decision to be the stay-at-home mom or the stay-at-home dad. You both have to agree to that, right? Mm -hmm. You have to agree to your expectations. So why then at divorce do we hear people say, well, you never worked for 20 years or you should have been working. I wanted you to have a career and I had to pay for everything. You know, everyone's attitude changes a little bit where we have to sit, sit back and say, wait a minute, we agreed to that decision 20 years ago. 
Absolutely. Right. So the, the awareness is just is. Uh, and I say to all the young children, not children, young adults out there getting married, make sure you're aware of expectations and you're mm-hmm. always reviewing your expectations and your new marriage because they'll, they will change. However you feel today will change a year from now, two years from now. And you won't be the same people that get married. You have to work on that and your expectations and be aware of your finances because it's mm. not just divorce, it's death. I mean, there'll be a time in your life that you will have to be in control of your finances. Mm. I love that. I, I, I truly love that. Um, I know that um, because you guys work in this area and, and the goal is to really give clarity and structure and what this will do um, if a divorce is the final decision. Do you find that people decide to stay together after they realize the financial impact? Yeah. So it's interesting. Karen and I have developed, worked really hard to develop our financial portrait. It's the MDS financial portrait. And it really, I think everyone needs one. And as a matter of fact, if you're going through a divorce or even thinking about going through a divorce, this should be your first step. Not go hiring two attorneys off off the bat. Because Mm. you don't know, you know, earlier in your segment, you mentioned, you know, your team, the team of advisors that you need. And there is a team that you need. And they're very important players for you. But how do you know who belongs on your team if you don't know what you have and you don't know what your goals are Mm. and you don't know what you need, right? So Mm. you can go hire an attorney and they're going to ask you, what do you want? And you're going to sit there and say, either I want to get everything I can or I want to screw them over or screw her over or whatever. You're going in with an emotional attitude, but you have nothing to show because you don't know your whole estate, right? So you don't. So you're wasting almost some time with the attorney and you're setting mm-hmm. up for a fight that maybe you're not even ready for. You're just mm-hmm. acting emotionally. Or you may go hire a forensic accountant. Okay. You could spend $15,000 or more, but what do you want them to look into when you don't know what all the components are to your estate? So with the financial portrait, what we do is we gather all your documentation that you need to that you would need for the process if you went to attorneys or to a mediator, doesn't matter which one. We gather all the documentations for you and your spouse if your spouse will get involved with us, and they generally do. Then we gather all the assets and debts and all that information, and then we assess it. So we give you all the recommendations and considerations for each asset. So when you know all of that, we might say, okay, now here's who else you need need on your team, and then we refer out. During that data collection, they might need coaching. You know, they're fighting about stuff and I'm, I can't, I'm not doing that. Right. So we send them to you, you know, you know, Tanya, here's when you need to go to Tanya, this work with her as we continue gathering your financial documentation. You know, we've had cases where, you know, the husband and wife are both involved. And then for some reason, visitation changed over the weekend and they got pissed off at each other. So husband then decides that, I'm not giving you any more financial information until you let me have the kids every other weekend or every whatever it is. Now, that's an emotional reaction to something that happened overnight, right? So we get on the phone with husband in this scenario, and believe me, it goes other, the other way around as well. And we say, why don't the two of you go to a parenting coach right now or go speak to a mediator about your parenting schedule? We still have to continue to collect your financial documents. But what it did is it kind of put the flames out It set them both back to like a timeout. And now they're just going to work on their parenting plan, but we're still gathering the financial information. So the process keeps moving because we still need the financial clarity. 
But a lot of times in divorce, when you see two people just go straight to attorneys, it's the attorneys that talk. And so when those little things happen on the weekend with the co-parenting, they just back up and say, we're not getting any, any more information. And this is where the costs get incurred because now you're fighting over something that you shouldn't be fighting over. It was just a misunderstanding. Mm -hmm. So when we're gathering this information, we see a lot of things happen. And a lot of things um, to us is really inspiring because we're setting them up to have good co-parenting or good co-grandparenting skills later because they're working together. Your financial data has to be given. So you're either going to give it in a very expensive way or you can give it in a streamlined way that you can work together and have a better relationship with. Um, we have had, so we do the budgeting as part of our process. And we mm -hmm. have had couples, to answer the question about the reconciliations, we have had couples that go through the budget process. And in that process, typically the wife is embarrassed because the credit cards might be too high because she was afraid to speak to the husband during the process about some bills. So they do it behind the scenes with credit cards. And then the husband in the scenario didn't know about the credit cards. So in our budgeting appointment, and Karen is a pro at this, she gets them to talk about the credit card debt in a non-judgmental format. And it comes out finally. And then they realize that there was just a financial disconnect between the two of them, a financial mm -hmm. secrecy that was going on. And that in this scenario, wife admits she had terrible budgeting skills and husband sitting there agreeing. And now she's vowing to work on that. You know, she realizes it and she's embarrassed about it when she realizes <laughs> what she's spending is out of line. They're, they might reconcile. So what do we do? We just say, why don't you go get a marriage counselor? We'll give you some resources. Work on the emotional part. We're still going to work on the financial part because at the end of the day, our portrait is used for estate planning. It's used for mortgage refinancing it's used for accounting services it is a uniform document that stands alone representing your marital estate so whether you get divorced or not it's still a useful tool for you mm, i like that because it was just it's just a misunderstanding at some it, you know in in some people cases and just being able to have that conversation um, with no judgment I think matters because sometimes people are afraid that they'll be judged or looked at differently or get put down. So, you know, just being on the coaching side of things, what I find is communication, um, effective communication, of course, um, can make marriages dissolve. And if things were probably taken care of way earlier on, divorce may have been something that we could have prevented. I like that. I like that. I think that's really good. Um, I know that, um, let's yeah, talk about the, I want to pause you there for a second because what you just said is, oh, is okay. again, dead on, you know, when you're coaching people and you say, if we went way back, that's exactly what I was saying earlier. And I even said to my daughter when she got married, expectations, we are all afraid to talk about what our expectations are. And if you feel like you're not the wage earner in your home right now, you're probably afraid to request some expectations. You know, and they may have been different when you were in your 20s and 30s getting married and now you're in your 50s and 60s and contemplating divorce. It's because you were afraid to go back then and ask for certain things, you know. And so now to get the courage to ask for that, even in the divorce process, you know, the other thing I love about the portrait is it gives somebody the, the um, courage to have some expectations because you have questions that need to be answered. And that's the expectations in divorce. I've got some financial questions. 
I need them answered and I deserve them, right? So we all deserve to have the answers to our questions. And you have to change your approach of saying, I'm not questioning you to your spouse, but I'm asking you some questions, right? That's a whole different attitude. Mm, a whole different perspective too, yeah. And you should do that with your attorneys. I'm not questioning you because you. I've seen attorneys get pushed against the wall when they're asked, being asked questions financially, particularly from me as well. I see that. And so you can say to your attorney too, listen, I'm not questioning you, but I have some questions that I need answers to. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. And that's I, the thing, just having that courage to step into your power, which exactly. I think people minimize a lot, maybe afraid to say something and Oh, that's a whole nother conversation of just going back on, on why do we feel the need to not speak up? And, and that can be in so many different layers of just trauma and people pleasing and fear, you know, just all these different reasons on why people don't just have these type of uncomfortable talks because they can be very uncomfortable, um, not addressing the elephant in the room. But if we, um, step into that power that we, we do have within and, and talk about things way before they get out of hand, we probably can prevent this particular situation. So I actually really do like that. Um, I know you say you start to take on more men now. Mm -hmm. And um, I like that because I do believe that men need support um, just as much as women do. Um, I really, really believe that. What are some of the concerns that that men have when it comes to the financial parts? What, what are some things that you find to be um, their concern? Yeah. So, you know, men are scared too, and they show it in a different way. And I applaud the men that come to the table and say, listen, this is a change for all of us. And I, I, I want to do the, do the right thing by making some good decisions, you know, and even though in their eyes, doing the right thing and making some good decisions might not be agreeable to you. Um, if they can come and be a little vulnerable like that, it's really, it's really um, a step forward. But the men that are coming to us, I'm finding that they want their spouses to have an understanding of what their finances are. So a lot of times, women tend to talk more than men do. So we talk to each other. You know, I can call you and say, Tanya, oh my God, I'm going through this. What did you do? Blah, 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 right? And so I might think my financial situation is the same as yours. So now I'm going to go back to the table expecting the same thing that you got. When in mm -hmm. fact, it might not be what we have. You can only divide what you have. You can't divide what you perceive you think you have. And so the men who handle the finances in their homes, they want their spouses to understand what they have so that they can make good decisions and not, not like snowball it into something that it's not based on people that you know in your right. circle, right? So men want that because they're scared of, you know, having to divide something that they don't have access to basically um and men are scared about if if men are typically the the um support payers if they have to pay alimony child support um they're scared that they're not going to be able to make that income forever even the high income earners they're scared because now their retirement is changing their mm -hmm. lifestyle is changing right. and you know their their perceptions of themselves in the workforce is changing because they think that they're going to be known to be divorced. They still have the same stigma they feel of being divorced. You know, that's still like kind of a stigma word, which I hate. I think we need to change so. the dialogue of all of that. Um, so men do have some of the same fears. And I got to tell you, there's a lot of women wage earners out there. They're the breadwinner oh, yeah. household. So, yeah, that's becoming more and more, um, more and more popular and, and more of the thing where women are becoming more financially independent. 
Mm -hmm. So we're seeing some men who were the stay-at-home dads that are have the same fears that the women had. You know, how am I going to do this? Um, and then when they get angry, they want payments for life too. They have the same feelings. So at the root of it all, we all have the same feelings. It's just that we have different personality traits and we have different methods of moving forward. And that's really the difference between the men and the women. Um, but when knowledge, uh, you know, we've seen men when our financial portrait is used and I, we had a mediator actually in South Carolina tell us it was interesting because husband came in, he knew everything that they had and how it was going to be divided. And he was going to run, run the show here. Wife had our portrait in her hands and, you know, we have recommendations and considerations and questions that you should ask based upon your financial portrait, not somebody else's. So when wife is asking these questions, she, the, the media said, I saw the shift. He really didn't know everything that they had and what was involved in it, like he thought. And mm -hmm. wife felt like she was a little bit more powerful than she felt when she walked in the door, when she was referring to the document. And he said it made our mediation so easy because it, it balanced both parties. It ended up balancing them out. She didn't feel mm -hmm. so you know pushed against the wall and he didn't feel so high on his chair. So mm -hmm. it was very interesting, he said. And I said, I love that perspective. Because that's what the document, that's what financial clarity does. It balances the parties because you're all in the know of the information. And that is the biggest fear in divorce, I think, is because one party doesn't believe they know all the assets and they think the other party is hiding it from them because there's that mistrust already. If you, if you get to divorce, there's some kind of mistrust. So that's why some divorces take years because they're just asking for things all the time. There's no clarity. Because there's no access. You need access to all your documentation to make good decisions. Wow, that's interesting that it takes longer because of questions that may have never been asked during the whole time in the marriage. Wow, yeah. that's real interesting. Um, financial abuse. Do you think that's a real thing? Oh, it's absolutely a real thing. Absolutely. Mm. And there's a lot of red flags for that, you know, um, it's actually a sad thing, you know, and there's financial infidelity as well. There's, they're both two real things. Mm, what is, what is, um, if you could, what, what is financial infidelity? So financial infidelity is things like one of the things I mentioned earlier, wife is spending, has a credit card husband doesn't know about, and she's just, you know, letting it go up to $20,000 or what have you. So husband has no idea about it and finds out five years later that she's spending money like that and pay, she pays the bills for them. So she's paying their, using their marital money to pay this account he has no idea about. Right. Same thing with, we see a lot of people gambling with, with one spouse not knowing about it. So they're dissipating their assets basically without the other spouse knowing about it. Even with affairs, you know, a lot of people spend money on their girlfriends or boyfriends, what have you. And they're using marital money. So anytime you use marital money mm. that your spouse is, is not aware of, that's financial infidelity. Wow. Okay. And then financial abuse would be? Financial abuse is more of a controlling thing. So, mm. okay, I'm going to give you this credit card and you're allowed to spend $100 a month and that's it. That's all your limit is. Or I'm giving you this debit card and you can use it twice a month. If I see you use it more than that, I'm taking it away from you. You know, or yes, you could buy the kids things, but you can only buy the kids things at $5. And this is not a budget related thing. So if you have right. a budget and you can only spend $100 a month, okay, that's your budget. And you both worked on that. Right. This is somebody who's controlling all the money and saying, okay, you can go to the store and you can spend $200 on our groceries. Nothing more than that. 
or I'm giving you $20 to go get us a sandwich and I want the change. Wow. Hmm. So there's a lot of that. And you'll notice that, you know, a lot of times second marriages, you know, it has a higher divorce rate than the first. So somebody jumps into a second marriage because they don't give themselves enough time to see all the red flags and the warning signs, right? They're staying that la la land. Right. And then all of a sudden, you know what I'm talking about? Okay. So time goes on and there's a lot of controlling, even when they tell you stories about their first marriages, like listen to that, listen to the financial component of that. So, right. Because absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. No, I'm I'm just like, yes, I, I, I get it. I totally agree. Yeah. It's so hard to do. It really is. We all want to just be happy and live our lives, but these are really important things. You know, we, we always talk about, you need to have access to your documents. I even say to my married friends, you don't need to understand it all. I don't care. You don't need to watch the market. Nobody should be watching the market every single day anyway. But know where your documents are. Look at them. Look at where the account number is. Look at the registration and see whose name is on that account. That's very important. That's more important than knowing what the value is. And then look to see if there's a lot of withdrawals coming in and out and make sure there's deposits going in there, right? That's all you need to know. And then know what the components of all the assets are. You know, there's a lot of people that say, okay, you're going to take this account. I'm going to take this account. What they don't realize is that account included an annuity. Now you just gave up that annuity that could have a lifetime benefit to it that you just gave away. It's also a tax deferred account that was nestled into one brokerage account. But you just gave that account away because it looked easier for everybody, right? Okay. And know all of this stuff before you make your decisions because how do you know what your options are if you don't know what the components are and you don't have access to the documents? And remember, to know all those things, in divorce, both of you are going to compromise on your financials. You're both going to compromise on parenting plan. That's what divorce is. Not one person gets to go and say, here's everything I want, and the other person says, okay, Right. Right. How do you compromise if you don't know what your options are? Mm. If you don't have access to your accounts and documentation, you don't know the components of it. How do you interpret it to make good decisions? That's what our portrait does. It puts all of that together so that you can go make those decisions. I don't invest people's money for them anymore. I send them to their financial advisors. I find them a new one. I make sure through the portrait, Karen makes sure a whole team makes sure that you understand what's involved so you can make that compromise to move on with your life. Mm. And, you know, it's so funny because it's so interesting because it's like, this is a part that I think people really have a difficult time facing is the financial part of it. And I'm like, and and I I work with women, I would say I I work with women and um, I'm like, listen, you got to step on a scale Cause you got to know where you are. If we don't step on the scale and really know where we are financially, we don't know how to move forward. I'm not telling people to go back because they they're fearful because I'm also an advocate that you can make your own money. I am very, very adamant about that, but I love how you just like, you know what you're doing, Kathy. Listen, (laughs) y'all, y'all better get with Kathy. And I'm serious. I mean, there's parts of it that I talk about, but you go, you dive deep. This is your thing. This is what you do every day. You, you see the problems, you know, the challenges before people walk in and you're able to say, here, let's go through this, this portrait and let's lay out everything. So you can, so again, stepping on the scale to really see what this really looks like. 
um, so we can really move on intelligently. I see people that, and and I don't know if you see this in some Facebook groups where people um, can get kind of, you know, immature and, <laughs> and, and make it more. And I get it because we know it's emotional. I understand it because I know you're hurting. But when you stay in that space for so long, you can waste a lot of years. Oh, yeah. And, you know, Tanya, you say some really good things there because, you know, it's hard to coach somebody that you can't get them to move out of the quicksand that they're in. Right. So if you come to get your portrait first and we try to engage your spouse and your spouse does not want to engage and we have we have a whole process developed and we give them the time to understand what we're doing. Then we know what type of an attorney you need if they don't want to engage. But give your spouse the opportunity to engage in the financial discovery piece because that's what we're doing and, and we're assessing that. We're not, we're unbiased about it. So give your spouse the opportunity to come to the table because 85% of the cases out there, they do want to come to the table. It's the manner in which they want to come. They don't want to come fighting. They want to come giving what they want to give or giving what they're asked. But Give them the opportunity to do that. If they don't do that, then we know what type of attorney you need. And you might not need your best friend's attorney. You might not need, everyone thinks they need a shark. You might just need a mediator to engage. We don't know. It depends on how the spouse responds, right? Then when that process, if the spouse responds, we don't need to go anywhere else except for maybe coaching because then you're just going to work on emotional stuff. You're not worried about the financial stuff because you have us doing that. We're communicating with the two of you to get the information we need. Nobody's making a decision. Nobody's deciding what investments they need. Nobody's deciding if they need the house yet. What we're doing is getting all the information together so that you can make the decision. You can still work with your coach or your therapist to work on your emotional stuff, but the financial piece we're just gathering. If during that process, all of a sudden, one of the parties stops putting their paycheck in, they, they do something that they shouldn't be doing, then we know you need this attorney right now. You need to go do this. You need to go do this, right? But how do you know unless you have all of this information? And how do you know your spouse will, even if they're a narcissist, how do you know if they're really going to do this process if we don't ask them, right? Because when you go and ask them through attorneys, they get back against the wall because the language attorneys have to use, it's really ugly. It's ugly language because they have probably something that they don't understand. So they already feel attacked and they, this, they pull up this wall. Okay, I get it. Okay, I got you. Okay. So, but the attorney has to use that language, but the party getting it, you're being sued for this. Oh my gosh, you know, you hear that word. So we try to avoid that first. The people who you probably see a lot of this that you're coaching are maybe deep into the process or they started the process and now they started some of this and now they're really realizing that they don't have any clarity. And so we get them a lot there. They, they may be 50 grand into an attorney and they have no clarity. It's just been paperwork going back and forth. Right. So we try to put it on halt and say, wait a minute, this person needs some financial clarity first before we move forward. So we really like to get everybody in the beginning because it is hard to move on. And what happens then if you're so far in, that's when you get bullied because if you're the weaker spouse or the less informed spouse about your finances, they're going to push on you to make a decision. Because they're going to say, if we have to go to trial, this is going to cost another $50,000 or whatever it is, right? Mm -hmm. So you're going to say, okay, I need to settle. And those are the people that are two years later saying, oh my gosh, I should have taken more, more time to really understand this. And remember, you're not questioning, you're asking questions. That's a very different approach in your head. 
Uh, and when you're relaying that to somebody else, you know, I have all these recommendations and considerations on my financial portrait. Can you help me answer these questions? Well, wait a minute. We already discussed some of this. Okay. Well, I'm asking you, I'm not questioning what we discussed. I'm just asking you questions that have been brought to my attention. Right. Knowing that. Yeah. And ask questions like, yeah, I, I, I love that. Um, when someone's not cooperative, because I know you mentioned narcissism and I, I believe there's different layers and levels to it. Um, however, I know you do have some people that just want to make it difficult, just don't want to like make this amicable. They don't want to be conscious about it. They just really want to be very, very extra. What is the, how, how do you handle that with um, the the other spouse not cooperating? What would be some of the advice you would give that that other person who just wants to know how to proceed? moving right. forward. So less is more, less you say, the better you off are, because a okay. lot of times when you're dealing with somebody like that, it's emotional driven process. And remember, mm-hmm. I know narcissism, believe me. Um, but there are, like you said, different levels. So not everybody's a narcissist in a high conflict divorce. So they might be coming from a fear perspective, or just a controlling perspective. But when you're sitting on your end, that is really important to r- write down what I just said a minute ago, don't question ask questions, right? So Mm. when you're responding to them, you can say, okay, X, Y, Z, I'm not sure why you're so upset. I'm not questioning you, but I do have a question, right? Mm. They won't won't even know what to say to you. So the less you say to that person, the better it is. And eventually they have to give you the information. You can't get divorced without the information. But same thing why it costs thousands of dollars when you're dealing in high conflict or with a narcissist is because they'll play the system with their attorney. I'm not giving that information. what you have to not do is work with your coach. Don't keep calling your attorney about this. Just mm-hmm. ask your attorney a questions because you're paying for an emotional um, visit with your attorney where you should really be paying your coach for that. Know mm-hmm. what to ask your attorney. That's why you need to know who's on your team and what you need them for. Mm. I like that. Catherine, you're dropping some gems. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. No, I, I do. Um you know, I'm all, I, 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 listen, I started my divorce solution with Karen and I was in my late forties. Right. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I got divorced when I was 44. I, I, I was going to wait a couple more years, but I couldn't wait any longer. Uh, we went on my own, met Karen. We started our company. We weren't young. It's really scary. You know, you're, you're going on your own and you're starting and we're trying to disrupt an industry that's age old but it's broken. I'm just so tired of people saying it's broken. It's time to make a change and it changes with financial knowledge because you can't make, you can't make smart decisions for your children. You can't make them for yourself unless you have financial knowledge. So we really are passionate about it. Um, And it comes from a place of both parties need it. And so it's not, it's it's an unbiased approach and everyone should be working off the same documentation. Divorces would go so much more smoothly. They would go quicker and costs would come completely down because Absolutely. we'd be working together. So people will move on because listen, your kids are marrying my kids. I want you to divorce better because it's going to change the, the world basically because we're going to protect the families a little bit more. Absolutely. I don't want you to look at me like I'm a divorcee and that I'm, um, you know, I'm branded or whatever. It's a part of my story. It's, it's a little part of my story. It's not my entire story because I <laughs> gone from it. Right. Yeah, divorce your story. I talk, it's so I important. Yeah, I love that. I love that that you have that divorce your story. That's so fabulous, and it's hard to do, as you know. It's so hard to do. It is. Um, you you got remarried though, correct? 
I did two years ago. Mm-hmm. Mm, congratulations. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know you talked about the expectations um, and revising those. And now that you, 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 you've known that and you um, collected that um, level of wisdom after your first marriage, how did you approach your new one um, as far as just the, the finances and just the marriage in general? Yeah, it's interesting because, um, you know, we're not raising kids together. He has okay. two kids. I have my two kids and I have my three stepchildren. So your attitude is a little different when you go into a second marriage because you don't have so much of the stresses of finances for your children because you, our kids are older. So we're a little different than someone that remarries with little kids. And listen, I did that too. I got married to someone that had three kids. I have so much experience in divorce. It's crazy. So um, it's just, a, I have a more relaxed um, mindset that I feel like I weathered a storm and no matter what, I will be okay financially. I'll take care of myself to the end. So I never came into this marriage thinking money. You know, I came into this marriage saying my need to be re- how I need to be refueled is having somebody who's my friend, who's present in my life, who will love my kids no matter what, you know, just as who they are, who loves how I may be a helicopter mom sometime, but it's okay with him. You know, he accepts me for who I am, you know, and that to me was what it's all about. And it was really interesting during the pandemic that we would sit outside every day and I enjoyed being with him. You know, I just enjoyed it. Mm. They were, my expectations is to let me be who I am and that I want somebody to kind of walk this journey with, not really lead or be led by, just kind of mm. walk it together. And that's what I found, you know, and he's like that with my kids. He's present with my kids. You know, it's it's just more communicative. It's just a different mindset. And may, maybe I relaxed more, but, you know, it took me two and a half years to meet him. I, you know, did the whole match thing and all of that. He had, ended up being a neighbor in a town home I moved to. But um, so it's weird how I met him. But I gave myself that two and a half years to heal from, an, you know, a, a difficult marriage that I needed some healing from. And if I would have met him before that, he would never put up with me because I was not trusting and, you know, I wasn't as calm as I might appear to be today. <laughs> so right. I needed that to get over that before I jumped into another relationship and get married. Mm, no, that's powerful. I, I love that. I think that's the most important part of um, deciding to walk away is to go through that um, rediscovery process, um, reinvention. That's very um, important to do. Uh, I know I don't want to take up too much of your time. Um, I do want to ask this this final question well two final questions but the the, um the question is what do you what would you say to that woman and or guy who's listening um financial the financial aspect doesn't have a gender it impacts both people whether people want to own that part of not or or not and like you said we want to be unbiased when when approaching all these different dynamics what's what is some advice to that person who could be stressed right now. Everybody around them doesn't get it. They're attempting to figure it out, which causes more confusion. So, you know, cause a lot of us are taught to figure things out and we are, and, and there are a lot of people are myself included, but it was certain things that I just couldn't figure it out. I needed someone to paint a picture for me. What would be that advice that you give that person? Take pause. Right now, in this very moment, sit back, take pause, and appreciate that you can only do the best you can at the time you're doing it. After you accept that, you have to accept that this comes into data. 
you need the data to ask the questions to make the decision. So if you're in the middle of the process right now and you're working with an attorney or a mediator and you're just looking at emails and trying to figure out how it's going to affect you, stop, just stop. We need to gather all your information in a, in a visual way that you can comprehend it the way that you need to comprehend it. If you can't do that, then that, that's a problem. So if you don't know how it's going to affect you, you got to stop. You either got to come to us and get your financial portrait or you have to figure out how you, what your questions are on your own and you have to write them down. You have to ask those questions and you have to keep asking those questions until you have an answer that you're clear on. Also understand that the other party is scared too. Whether you want to admit it or not, whether you hate them or love them still, they're scared too. They might not admit it, but they are. So when making these decisions, these emotional decisions have to turn into data-driven decisions. I can't make up the numbers. When you give me a statement or something, I'm not making those numbers up. I know your feelings are real. So I'm going to let you have that space to have your emotional connection with that asset. But you have to realize that this is a number thing then. If there's debt, if there's assets, it has to be split. But you have to be clear on that. So if you don't have access to your documents, if you haven't been able to look at them, if you don't know the components to your assets and your debts, if you don't know how to interpret all of these decisions, and you don't know what your options are, you're not able to make compromise. You have to stop. Come to us, or we'll direct you to where you should go, depending on where you are in the process. Oh, I love that. I love the first one, just stopping, just pausing, because we get into this autopilot, and we we, we don't want to pause and, and just say, okay, I, I need to reflect. I need to see what I got going on. I love that part, and realize that you're doing the absolute best with what's going on around you, like that extending grace over yourself is, is very, very important. Um, how can people find um, you and Karen? So you can find us at www.mydivorcesolution, only one solution, there's no S there, .com. You can also email us at hello at mydivorcesolution.com. Um, we have Instagram, we have um, Facebook, we have all of those. You'll find them on our website. You'll find our events. Um, you can go on our website, actually, and take a quiz. It's a financial quiz. Um, you'll, you'll actually see what you know and don't know maybe about your assets. Um, after that, you'll get a free 15-minute complimentary call from either Karen or myself to review it. Um, and any questions that you have, um, where you are in your process, and we can help direct you to where it needs to be done next. Mm -hmm. And you guys work with people all over. Yes, it's we're not national. state specific. No, we're not state specific. We're national. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. They're national. Listen, y'all. Um, y'all need to reach out, especially in this time um, of your, your process and you're unsure on how everything looks, what this looks like. Get someone on your team. Um, and, and that person and one of those players is people who can really give you financial clarity and financial structure. And I really, really recommend that you guys reach out to Catherine and Karen. I will put everything in the show notes, your Instagram handles, your email, your website. So I will put everything there so you all can click on it and just go right there if you want to reach out to them. And Catherine, thank you. I appreciate you coming on and just bringing clarity. You actually taught me the difference between financial infidelity and financial abuse. That literally opened up my eyes. I was kind of putting all that under one category, but mm -hmm. you just brought in that whole perspective. And so, and I think you probably did that for a lot of other people too, <laughs> but no, that actually helped me out tremendously. And thank you oh, so much God. again. And you take care. Thank you. Mm-hmm. 
to everybody who is listening to this podcast, I want you to really hear me when I say this. You have to get clear on your finances. You do. That is a very uncomfortable and extremely taboo topic already. However, when you all are deciding to part ways, your money matters. Knowing the data matters. Knowing what you have to be responsible for matters. Knowing how this is going to impact impact you and your household matters. So what what does this mean? This means that we need to have a starting point on where we are. Okay. Um, one of the things that I teach in my Thrive program to my clients when it comes to the financial aspect of things is knowing that, yes, you can create your own income. You can have more money. This isn't to say that when you do this work, that this is all you can make. What we're saying in this particular episode is that you need to know where you are. All right. Like I said earlier, stepping on the scale, um, as Catherine mentioned, getting the data. That is a part that you cannot overlook. I have had clients who have gotten $20,000, $25,000 increases at, at jobs. I've had clients who have left jobs because they have been making money in their own businesses that they started. Listen, it doesn't stop here. And that's not the fear that I want to plant. That's not the fear that we're trying and attempting to plant. We just want you to get very clear on where you are so we can know how to move forward, okay? So I really do hope that this information that was presented today was helpful to you on your journey, all right? Please make sure that you are following me on my social media handles. My Facebook and Instagram is Miss Tanya Speaks. That's M-S-T-O-N-Y-A-S-P-E-A-K-S. Now, I also have the video version of my podcast on YouTube. So anytime I have a guest on, it will be um, recorded in video format as well. And so please make sure that you're subscribed to my YouTube channel. It is Miss Tanya Speaks as well. And also leave a review. If you know that this information has been helpful to you and your journey, and it is really bringing a lot of clarity in your own personal life and development, please go to iTunes and leave me a review. I will definitely appreciate it. And last, but certainly not least, share this information, okay? We share everything else. And if you know someone who is going through this and they need this information, please make sure you pass it along because this really could help them on their journey of their own growth and development, okay? Because this is how we build. This is how we grow. And this is how we thrive, all right? So thank you all again for tuning in this week. I hope you all have a wonderful and amazing week and I will see you next time. (laughs) 